Marcus here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at Market Street Church. So you have a challenge. Take those Easter eggs and fill them and bring them back. And as Michael said, it is not about a big event. It is about being intentional in how we do this. And so if there are those of you in here that have guest service experience and you're good with that, we're going to need you afterwards because we want to follow up with these folks. We want to be intentional about reaching them to the next level, not just passing them out candy, but bringing them back in. They're going to go away with a hollow egg, but we want them to come back for the hard-boiled egg. I'll stop. I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> you're not ready yet. We've had the opportunity, I don't know if you saw it out there yet, but there's a nice little carpenter's box out there and a cross, and we were having some conversations as a leadership team, and this is our Jesus is Bigger box. Uh, if you have a prayer request, if you have something that you want to put in there, um, they, uh, we put, they put 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your worries on him because he cares for you, and so uh, Chris Renfro and Wyatt and a couple of other guys worked on this, and so it will be um, sitting right outside on the right-hand side there. There's some three-by-five cards there. If you have something that you just want to lay at the feet of Jesus, we're just recognizing that without Jesus, we could do none of this. Um, it's because of him. And so that box is there for you to use and to utilize and to just pour out whatever it is, lay it there, get rid of it, Cast your cares upon him. He went to the cross for us. Jesus took on hell so that we did not have to. He raised again after three days and carried that burden for us. And, and that is what this is all about. And so um, that is awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, man, I better be careful. I'll start preaching. Well, this morning, as we uh, lean in and we press in, we're going to talk about burnout and understanding that and what that is all about. Um, you know, in life, some of you might feel like you're on edge, that you can't take much more, that you're struggling with understanding what's going on. Um, it's, it's never easy to have a talk about hitting a wall or breaking down or... Um, and I'm going to be real, and I always strive to be real. Um, you know, when I walk out here, I feel like I walk out here and, um, well, not with nothing on, really, because it's scary. It's scary to bear your burden. I know you all have a terrible image, and I'm sorry now. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I walk out here and lay it all out. And when you do that, it's not easy. Back a few, several weeks ago now when I shared the start of my story, many of you were like, oh man, I can connect, I can relate. But there were some, I'm going to be honest, who were like, yeah, you shared too much. No pastor should go through what you've been through. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be in that place. And I'm like, I put up the shield and those are darts from the devil and I let those go and let those drop. What it made me think of is many of you deal with the same thing. Because if I'm dealing with it, I know that you're dealing with it too where you are, in your place of business, in your place of connection. And so it's hard when you hit a wall to share your story, to really, you know, I think about it when we come in here and we're, hey, how you doing? Sometimes I wonder if some of you ask me or some of us ask one another how we were doing, if you would really have the time to sit down and hear how we're doing. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Burnout. It comes. It's happening. It's in our lives. It's very unfortunate. As we talk about this peace of mind, we have to wrestle with this. We have to move through this. You know, I, I, I very much enjoy those who uh, have, 
have matured in life more than me to hear stories. I look and I see Marty, and I love to hear some of the stories that she tells. Of uh, She's like a walking history book, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> she has a lot of stories. And there's many, and not, it's not her age. She's real young. She's real young yet. But many of you have stories about things that you've seen as life has gone on. And I look at this, and I hear this, and I realize that There's a sad fact today. In most churches, people are coming in looking for an entertainer to keep their attention for a few minutes and to give them something. If we have the attention span of a goldfish, which is said that we do, less than. <laughs> what is it that we're here for? What is it that we come to church for? Most people come in, you would think, to grow. Some, in co some come in just to get something and feel good and go out for the week. But with burnout, it's temporary. You, you might feel good for a few moments, but it lingers and it carries on. I want to share some stats with you, some things that um, the Gallup poll done in December 6th of 2022 Gallup has discovered that 76% of employees experience workplace burnout. That's a big number. Three out of four. So, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. There's many of you in here that experience burnout and have experienced it. And you don't know what to do with it. How do we wrestle with it? How do we move forward in it? I looked at this next one, and it's truly staggering. In Travel and Leisure from May 3rd, um, it shares the top countries with paid time off. As soon as I read this, I got my one-way ticket to Austria, okay? <laughs> 38 days. That doesn't include the four to five weeks of paid vacation that they give you on top of. What? France and Spain, 36 days. South Korea's at 31. Germany's at 30. The UK's at 28. Japan is at 26. And the wonderful US pulling up the rear with 10. Good old American dream. 10 days. And these are all holidays. They are, they're holidays. So maybe some of you really get two to three of them off. And it, said that, and it says, it's just fact, it's stated that in America and the United States, each place of employment has the decision of how much time to give you off for vacation above and beyond whatever these days are. But if you're in retail or if you're in many, many places, actually, you don't get very many days off. And so we sit and we ask and we wonder, why is it that we're burning out? Why is it that we're stressed and struggling? Um, I listened to a uh, guy by the name of Ken Coleman. He's connected with Dave Ramsey. And he said that right now the average rate of people switching jobs is $4 million a month. Crazy. Crazy. But we've got it all together, right? And we're ready to go. This was staggering to see. And even in my younger days, about 15 years ago or so, I remember talking to my cousin, and he was talking to me about visiting other places because he worked, you know, that's the way his work is. You'd go to other countries, and he'd be like, dude, we'd get there, and we'd be like, I felt like we worked four hours, and then we were done for the day. And he's like, it was nice. And I'm like, really? Like, that's really the deal? He's like, it's a different pace of life over there in these other countries. So it causes me to question a lot of things, really. But, man, that's a lot of days. How many of you would like a few more days? Like, yeah, amen. <laughs> right. Everywhere we turn... People feel overwhelmed, stressed, they're on the edge of burnout, 
You see, burnout isn't just a result of working long hours. It's a combination of mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion from multiple, multiple sources in our lives. Burnout, it generally reflects the inability to balance competing demands. We have social pressures. One of the greatest things that I did in January is I got rid of social media on my phone. I'll get on it on my computer, but I got to go old school. I got to get on my computer to do it, and so I'm like, ah, do I really want to do that? It has been so wonderful and rewarding not to see everything that everyone else is. Everyone's highlight reel. I mean, it's wonderful. I'm glad people do it and all that. Whatever, I think I'm glad. I don't know. I'm beginning to care less. But we strive to keep up. There's, there's the financial pressures in life, man. If you li- I mean, we all know we live in Oakland County. I was talking to a guy the other day who there's this awesome organization, and what they do is they strive to bring Christ followers into apartment communities because 95% of apartment communities do not have a connection with the church. And so he's not from here, and so I was talking to him about this, and he was telling me about a new one and what they want to do, and I was just explaining to him, like, some of the, the demographics and all of that here. And the financial pressures are great. They're, they're great everywhere. But to rent a house, it's ridiculous around here in, in, in many places. To rent, to rent an office space is crazy. Um, we, have our, we have our kids in activities and doing this and that and the other and, you know, from one sport to the next. And we don't know whether we're coming or going. Sometimes we pass ourselves over there at Commerce and Commerce and we're lost. We don't know where we're at. I still don't understand that one completely, I'll tell you that. I was coming from the hospital the other day. I was coming from the hospital the other day, and I was still on commerce and commerce, but not the commerce and commerce that I knew. I'm like, ooh, good thing I got my GPS. (laughs) Some of us deal with the struggle of aging parents, our health, stressful work environments, guilt, guilt. It's heavy. I want us to look and understand the difference between stress and burnout. In Webster's Dictionary, he defines stress this way. Stress is a physical, chemical, or emotional factor that causes bodily or mental tension. Burnout is exhaustion or physical or emotional strength or motivation, usually as a result of prolonged stress or frustration. Stress is one thing. Burnout is another. Stress is generally short-lived. You have to take a test in school. I, I did not like these words when they were put together. Pop quiz. That was not fun. You either. <laughs> and she was a teacher, so... Amen. Woo, I needed more teachers like that. I knew that my heart was beating in those moments, and then my hands would get clammy and sweaty, and like, ooh, that's, that's quick, instant stress. It's related to temporary events or projects, presentations, tests, temporary problems, new jobs, move, stuff like that. Burnout is chronic stress that feels never-ending. You see, the fact of the matter is that there are so many of us that wake up on Monday and then every other day after that feeling like it's still Monday. It's like, oh, man, what am I going to do? There's no relief. There's no end in sight. We've got to keep chasing the carrot. We've got to keep striving to live the American dream. Big house that nobody will visit. Two cars that nobody cares what you're driving, that you're paying for and paying for and still paying for. You know, a cat and a dog or vice versa, however you prefer. We won't get started on that. 
You love cats? Great. You love dogs? Great. You'll have 3.24 kids. I'm not sure how all that works out, but you borrow one <laughs> temporarily. Maybe. It won't stay in the night. There you go. <laughs> but the fact is, is that we, we're walking through life like zombies. We don't care. We go from one day to the next. We don't care. We don't have any fight left in us. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm built like Rocky, man. I love those movies. Oh, man, like when I get knocked down, when life hits you hard, I'm going to get back up. The only time I'm not getting up, it's not after the count's out. They better check, and I'm not going to have a pulse. That's the only way I'm not getting up. Because Jesus is my Savior. He's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and he's going to walk with me. But many of us feel and we're struggling. Amen. Yeah, give him praise. That's right. That's what he did for us. And we've got to step into that. We have to lean. You better be careful with the amens and the, and the, and the hand clapping. I told you. I grew up down south. I'm Baptocostal. I might get wound up up here, okay? <laughs> All right. That's the kind of stuff that gets me wound up, gets me going. We feel dead inside. We feel hopeless. We're dealing with these physical, with these mental and these emotional struggles, and we don't know what to do with them. We go into work and no one cares. It's about the almighty dollar. It's about making the next bonus check. It's about making the next part. It's about doing the next thing. It's about getting to the next spot. But what about us? With the physical, we're, we're easily fatigued, low energy, difficult. I want to know, know if this describes any of you. When you're dealing with physical burnout, we're easily fatigued, low energy, Difficult sleeping, it can cause headaches, body aches, muscle pain. How do we cope with it? We change our eating habits. We turn to Cokes and Snickers. Oh, that's just me, sorry. <laughs> nope, yeah. Some abuse alcohol or prescription medications, drugs. That's a tough place to be. And when I shared my story about my breakdown, I was in this place physically. I, I remember the going to the camp that we were at, staying in uh, the pop-up that we were staying in. And, and my body, I, I don't know what it is to be 95, but I know what my body felt like, and that's how I felt. Aches and pains and hurting. And I went to the doctor, and there's like, they're, they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. It was the stress. It was the burnout. Because like I said, I look back, and even this week, I looked back at that calendar in my life, and there were so many colors on that thing. It could be in an art museum. I had so much stuff going on in my life that the physical was controlling me. Mentally, you have ongoing stress impacts in the brain. It enlarges your amygdala. You get into this fight or flight. We're afraid. We become desperate. We become indecisive. We have memory loss. Difficulty focusing. How many of you ever struggle with that? Yeah, listen, if you ask Pastor Jason something you want me to do it, I tell you all the time, text me later because I'm not going to remember. Um, I remember talking to you, but I'm not going to remember all the details. Is it burnout or is it just stress? I can't answer that question for you. There's the emotional. When, when we struggle emotionally with burnout, we lose motivation. There's the chronic feelings of self-doubt. We feel like we're failures. We feel alone. We're generally miserable in everything, in our jobs, in our marriage, in our life. We're cynical. We're bitter. We're 
disconnected from God and we blame God for everything. This is where we're at. This is the world that we live in. And we have to figure out how to navigate this together and to walk through this with people. Because the answer is not just climbing the ladder and making more money. It doesn't do it. As you climb the ladder and make more money, the less friends you have. And the more people that you get in your life that want what you have. And they think that you're just an overnight success. We've talk, we talked about habits early in the year. It's the things that you do that you put in place and set up for yourself. The grind, the day in, the day out. That's how you overcome this. That's how you overcome burnout is you, you take control. We're going to look at how Jesus responds and what examples he sets. We're going to look at understanding what causes burnout. But as we do this, I want to ask you right now to open up your mind, soften your heart, and take the blinders off and truly look at this in a way that maybe you've never looked at it before. Father, this morning, as we dive into your word, as we look at these unique verses that you gave to me uh, over this past couple weeks to dig into, I just pray that the message is clear, that it's not me, that it's you, but that our hearts are softened to your word, that our minds are open and that the scales would come off and that we would see what it is that we need to do different in our lives, how it is that we need to change and turn things over to you to become a new wine when the pressing is there, when we're pushed, when we're crushed, when we feel defeated, that we can turn to you as the song says. I want you to do something new and afresh, not just today, but every day. In this church and in our lives. And so I pray that you start here, that you start now in this moment. I pray all these things in your name. In Luke chapter 5, we're going to read 1 through 3 and then skip down and go through 12 through 16. But what I want you to understand is these verses, this story is told in Matthew and Mark. There's a difference at the end of Luke, and that's what caught my attention. That's what drove me to push into this and go, let me dig deeper. But let's read this and we'll talk about it. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And we're going to pause here for a minute on verse 3. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, this is, this is the guy later known as Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So, Jesus wasn't just a stranger to Simon, Simon Peter. Jesus had gotten to know these guys. He had some, some relationship with them. He knew them. Um, he comes on, he says, hey, let me get in your boat. It wasn't just, you know, like picking up a hitchhiker, which we learned that uh, Ed, he, he, Ed, Ed, <laughs> Ed was sharing some stories this week about pitching, picking up hitchhikers. They're like, woo, and I had known, I had known some of those stories, but others didn't. Bless, bless, bless Ed, Lord has, the Lord has protected him in many crazy situations. If you want to know the stories, talk to Ed. He's sitting right there in the back in the burgundy and the gray. Just talk to him, he'll tell you about it. So Simon Peter wasn't just picking up a hitchhiker, it was Jesus. And they went out and taught the people. And then from there, the story, I'm going to skip this part, but I want you to understand it and know it. Um, he pushes out with Peter, and he says, hey, cast your net over the side. He says, dude, dude, I'm a fisherman. Don't tell me what to do. I've been fishing all night, and I'm not going to catch anything. Throws the nets over, and Jesus does what he does best. He has a sense of humor, and he goes, I'm going to show you. 
and they catch huge amounts of fish. It wasn't coincidence that these dudes were, were, were mending their nets, cleaning and mending their nets when Jesus came about. Jesus was preparing them for something greater. So we're going to go on down to verse 12, and it says this. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It goes on to say, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. He said, I am willing, he said, be clean, and immediately the leprosy, the leprosy left him. It goes on in 14. Then Jesus ordered him, Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Verse 15, it says this. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. And then in verse 16, this is the verse that you do not see in Matthew, Mark, but you see it in Luke. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There are three causes of burnout that I want you to understand. So if you're taking notes, I can tell you what they are. If you're not and you're taking mental notes, your mind's like a goldfish. Get a notebook or take notes on your phone. All right? I just called you out. <laughs> the first cause of burnout is unsustainable pace. There's a guy by the name of Tim Ferriss, and he, he says this, being busy is a form of laziness. Doing less is the path of, producti of, of product, productive. Ooh, activity. It should, I think it should be take productivity. I might have, I might have. Tim Ferriss, I'm too busy. Yeah, too busy. <laughs> Woo. Tongue, words, words. Words are hard. Four-hour work week is the book that this comes out of. Tim Ferriss wrote this. Some of you look at this and you're going, you're crazy, Pastor Jason. I do this and I do this and I do I know you do. You're probably tired. You're burned out. Being busy is a form of laziness. He goes on to explain that, and, and, and I, do, I do things crazy, and some of you have gotten to know that. When I met my wife, she thought I was crazy. Um, I break up my life into half-hour and one-hour chunks of time generally, and I plan my calendar. I plan the things that I'm going to do because if I don't plan them, someone else will. It's the concept of the empty calendar. We see an empty calendar three months out. Ah, I got plenty of time. I'm not doing nothing. You want to know where I'm going on? You want to know where I'm going on camping this summer? What I'm doing this summer? What I'm doing on New Year's? I can tell you already. I'm ready. I'm ready to go for the whole year. Now, the Lord may shift me, and that's cool, and he is, but i got to open up some time for those things and do them. Doing less is a path of being productive. Jesus models this. See, we have to know our schedule. How many of you know your schedule for, like, the next week? Two weeks? Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Lauren, you know until eternity what you're doing. She's got her hand up. She's going to, she's getting things. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired. Yes. We need to know our schedule. See, we're trying to do it all, and we end up doing nothing. When we try to do everything well, we do nothing at all. You see, we, we live in a world where we have full-time jobs, and we have what's now called a side hustle. Those are fun. Make a little extra money. We're trying to be good moms and dads and, and make sure our kids have the opportunity to play baseball and as a professional player, as soccer, as a professional. Listen, the percentages. Now listen, if God calls your child, and listen, I have these talks with my son all the time. You ask my son Jack, the older one, you ask him what he's going to do, he's going to be a baseball player. Amen. 
That's what, that's what he feels God is calling him to, and he's pursuing that passion. That's great. He doesn't let the stats keep him down. However, we also don't believe that we need to pump a bunch of money into a bunch of leagues so that he plays ball year-round and burns out. What we're doing in our lives right now is we are running at an unsustainable pace. And our bodies are telling us this, and our bodies are responding to that. That's why you need the medications you need. I'm sorry, some of them, that's why you need them. Your body is not meant to take all this on and do it. We have bills, we have the stressful jobs, we have, you know, so much. Last summer I was uh, coaching ball and, and I fell into this gap of an unsustainable pace. I got asked to coach um, my nine-year-old and I'm like, I can do that. And then they're like, hey, can you coach your 14-year-old too? I got this. <laughs> I am, I'm not, I'm not coaching this year. Very little, let me put it that way. <laughs> It's an unsustainable pace. But I watch some of these kids and these kids who are playing year-round ball. They come out there and they got the walk-up music and they got the everything. You think they got, they got, you think they got a $2.4 million contract each year, nine years old. They got their little walk-up music. They got their $700, $800, $900 bat that they're walking out there with. Woo! You're listening to parents. Boy, you know, it's hard, it's tough. And on all the sports. And, and that's just one area. There are the other areas in our lives, the expectations that are put on us to carry on, to do you in your workplace. You say yes because you don't want to lose your job, but what if you were to say no? I can't give it anymore today. 10, 11, 12 hours is, is enough. It's too much. I got to sleep. I got to see my family. Four million of you are changing jobs once a month. That should be alarming. That is not something to stand and clap and be excited about. Where's the longevity? Where's the appreciation? It's not there. Pastors are expected to save the world at the expense of their own health. I'm going to share a little bit here because knowing what we're coming through and knowing where we're heading, you all need to know and understand it. There was a research done by Barna on April 27th of 2021. It says they're finding that the number of pastors who are seriously considering leaving full-time ministry sits at 42%. That number has increased 13% in a three-month period. 29% of pastors were considering quitting, quitting ministry altogether. Why? 56% say it's the stress of the job. 43% say it's feeling lonely and isolated. 38% say it's the current political division. As I look at the marketplace, it's very, stim it's very, very similar for you. We don't feel appreciated. Our calendars, our schedules don't match to people. The second is hidden expectations. This will crush anyone. This will crush anyone. In Luke 5, verse 15, it says this. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Even when Jesus walked the earth, hidden expectations were real. It says right here, crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. How many of these people that came do you believe wanted the same healing that the leper had? 
of them. How many of, you, how many of them do you think got it? You can ask Jesus when you get to heaven. <laughs> Did he truly, as, as the son of God, deity, three in one, he was God, but he was also man, Jesus was. He had to live like we did. He had to choose like we did, make the same choices. He could not heal everyone. He could have if, if he wanted to. But that's not faith. There are these hidden expectations. We have to know our ability and be okay with that. Jesus knew his ability and what he could do. As we've come through COVID, limited connection as a Christ-following body, there are hidden expectations everywhere. Every one of you came in here expecting something different out of me this morning. What you should have come with is asking Jesus what it was that he wanted to do in you. Because that's what I came with. All week, I asked Jesus, what is it that you want me to deliver? Not what is it that, that I want, because I, I, I'll tell you what I want to deliver. Not this, because this is tough. I would rather bring you an easy Something that you feel good about and you walk out, about, out of here and everyone gives me a hug and you're thankful for it. But Jesus said bring this because this is challenging. This is real life. This is what I went through with my disciples and you're going through it with your disciples that are in your life. We are going through this. We have these hidden expectations that we're not willing to share, that we need to get out in the open. That's when life changes. That you have attitude with someone. In, in, in marriage, there are hidden expectations. This is something that had to be worked through as Laura and I have grown to know each other. There were hidden expectations that I didn't even realize that I had. They were just things that I saw my mom do when I was a little kid, and then I expected that my wife was going to do them. My wife is not my mom, and my mom was not my wife. Men, your wife is not your mom, and your mom is not your wife, men. All right. <laughs> there it is. Women. Your husband's not your father, and your father is not your husband. <laughs> Hidden expectations. Which way do we put the toilet paper on? How do we squeeze the toothpaste? Which side of the stove does the handle go on? Well, I'm left-handed, so I know which side it goes on. It goes on the left side, and the right-handed right people are wrong, so sorry. That's just the way it goes. Hidden expectations. Jesus had them. Do you know how he dealt with them? We're going to talk about it. This third area that we fail to tap into, and it's lack of self-care. We take care of everything else. We, clean, we spend more time cleaning our shoes than we take care of our soul. We take care of these souls more than we take care of our, this soul. That's messed up. That one just came to me. That was free. <laughs> Wish I'd have thought of that earlier in the week. I could have really, really went off on that one. I'll use it again some other time. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, it says this, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Paul being the doctor, or, or Luke being the doctor of the bunch, he saw this, and he noted it. If he had not noted it, I'd, I never would have come to this. I would have skipped right over these verses. When I was looking up burnout and people that burned out in the Bible, I saw your typicals. I saw Naomi. I saw Elijah. I saw David. I saw Job. 
But I was reading these verses in Matthew and Mark, and then I got out the harmonies of the gospel, this book that I use, and it lines them all up, the scriptures and where they take place together. And I turned to Luke, and I'm like, yep, right here. Jesus knew. He knew the hidden expectations. And in our lives, we we have a lack of self-care. We need to know when to rest. Sometimes in your life, the most spiritual thing that you can do for yourself is to rest in the presence of the Lord. On Sunday, you want to know what I'm going to do after I get done here? I'm going to eat, for one. But I am. I'm going Sundays. I like to rest in the presence of the Lord. Cat nap, siesta, whatever you want to call it. Rest in the presence. And I truly do. And I go in, I lay down, and I tell the kids, if you so much as peep, you're going to meet Jesus if I get out of this bed. (laughs) And I rest in the presence of the Lord, and then I get up generally feeling refreshed. It's important. Eat a donut. Take a nap. Eat a protein bar. Gluten-free stuff, non-GMO. Have one of them matcha green tea thingies, you know, those concoctions that you like. I don't know. Avocado toast, man. Whatever it is for you. Snickers and a Coke. Amen. Amen. We do not take care of ourselves. We do not take care of our bodies properly. And I'm not talking about just getting out there on the treadmill and running and exercising. I'm talking this. This is the question that I want you to wrestle with. When is your Sabbath day? When do you stop? When do you stop buying on Amazon, Walmart, this and that? Taking That's old school, Pastor Jason. No, that's taking a Sabbath, truly resting. Well, I can't do that. I got these many kids and this and that's going on. Do you want to live to see your grandkids? You need a Sabbath. You need a day of rest. A couple of weeks ago in staff meeting, I like to ask some questions amongst one another. And Michael, who was up here, he was bold enough to say toward the end of the conversation, he said, Pastor Jason, how you doing with your time? I said, what, what do you mean? He said, you know what I mean. I said, I know what you mean. And I pulled up my calendar right there and I said, I got it, brother. I need to rest. Not just for my sake set that example for my family and to set that example for you as your pastor that it's okay to rest it's okay to let a brother that's on the MLT come to serve you if I am having a day of rest it's okay because I need to be the best that I can be for my family first for God then for my family and then for all of you and you need the very same thing in your life you need to rest You need to have that Sabbath time. As we begin to wind down, I'm going to ask Maddie to come back up. I want you to understand this. You need to stop having false guilt. Don't let your mind bully your body. Don't let your mind bully your body. The body is often stronger, at least we think it is. But the mind will bully it and tell us that we need to go further and that we need to do more. And if I just work 10 more hours a week for three more years, then I'll be able to retire. But will you truly make it there or will you die on the way? Jesus knew when to rest and to take a Sabbath. Some of you just need a break, a rest, a day off, a week off. 
Man, I was talking to Dwayne about vacation. I was like, man, that tan looks good, brother. I was like, I can't wait to go to, yeah, I was like, I can't wait to go to Florida. I might not come back, guys. I might go start Oceanside Missionary Church. Look out. <laughs> Amen. I got two. No, we're at three. <laughs> All right, look, don't get me wound up now. <laughs> some of you need rest, and some of you need more than others. And you have to be willing to take it. You have to be willing to say, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. I was going through everything that I was going through at that time, in that time of burnout and anxiety. I needed rest. I needed a different pace. I needed a pacemaker, but a different kind. And the pacemaker that I needed in my life was Jesus Christ. To set the pace, that I needed to stop worrying about what everyone else was thinking. I needed to lay that at the feet. You have to stop worrying about what everyone else is thinking. There are 10, 12, 15, 30 people in your life at work that have different expectations of you. You cannot meet everyone's need. But we strive to, and it's a mess. We need to work to disengage our mind. to re-engage the body. We need to have this Sabbath rest. Understanding what it is that God has called you to. You are not the Energizer Bunny. Sometimes I wish I was and it was that simple. Just plug in some new batteries and let me keep going. You need rest. You need to be refilled. And ultimately, you need community. When is the last time that you've been part of a group that's cared, that's loved on you? You know, sometimes I hear, I see Kathy, sometimes I hear Kathy, oh, Pastor Jason, we had a good group, all the women were crying. That's how women know you're having a good time, when all the women are crying in the group. You know, like, oh, it's such a good meeting, blah, blah, blah. You know, men were like, yeah, we threw some axes and we shot some deer and we had a good time. That's how you know. You know, so, hey, whatever works, man. You know, shot some baskets, I threw a few elbows at a guy. Like, that was a good time. You know, every, we all have our different thing. But what is it that you're tapping into your sense of community? But truly, ultimately, when are you pulling away to be with Jesus? In your mind, how much time did you spend with Jesus last week? Now, see, for me, this is more challenging than it is for you because I spent a lot of time with Jesus. I spent time asking him a lot of questions. But it was to prepare this for this morning. The time that I spent with him to prepare my heart for the future is different. And what he's showing me is scary because it's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It's God. It's God-sized. What is he showing you? And he's telling me to be still, be still, be still. He's teaching me. I have a goal to sit and read a book while I'm on vacation, I also have a goal to start to start writing a book. It's all him. It's not me. God sent someone into my life to tell me that I needed to do it, and that's always been my prayer is that God, if you want me to write a book, someone needs to come and tell me. And someone came into my life a couple months ago and told me that, and I have to do it. <laughs> not because they said it, but because it's what God wants. But what he's showing me is to reshape my time, to allow for that, to get at a place with Jesus where I need to be, to know like this box says that Jesus is bigger, 
that I can lay some things, everything, not some things, everything at the foot of the cross. Everything that you are carrying this morning, you need to lay it at the foot of the cross and give it to him. It is not yours to carry. You do not need to land yourself in the hospital because you're burned out from depression and anxiety and all of these other things. Why does God's voice seem quiet? When I was reading Elijah and thought that I was going to go that way, and I said, no, I'm going another way. Why is it that God's voice is quiet? Why does he whisper? I think that he whispers because he's always close. And if he were to yell, we wouldn't be able to hear anymore you got to get in the quiet place. you got to have a prayer room, whatever that looks like. It can be in the bathroom with a tub with a, with a mattress pulled over the top. I don't care. <laughs> what is it? Where is your place? What is your day? If you're dealing with a broken heart, he's close to the broken heart. If you're overwhelmed, he saves those who are crushed. If you're feeling hurt, you're not hopeless. If you're feeling discouraged, you aren't without hope. If you're feeling weak, Christ will make you strong. If you're feeling alone, you're not abandoned. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus makes an invitation in Matthew 11, and he says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in verse 29, it says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus knew. He set the example with the disciples. Because after chapter 5, and as you see, he did some more healing, and then he actually called the disciples to walk alongside him and journey with him. He knew what he was about to walk into. He knew that he needed to spend this time. Luke knew Jesus because he said what he said in verse 16. He said that, and Jesus often withdrew to go and pray. He knew. Jesus was setting that example, setting that pace. Do your children ever catch you praying? Do your grandchildren ever catch you praying? Amen. Oh, I believe it and I know it, Mr. Jake. It's important. When they catch you, bring them on into it. Show them and teach them. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I leave you with this question. Where do you need rest in your life? Where is it in your life that you need rest? We're about to step in and sing this song again, and we sang it earlier. It's called New Wine. It says, in the crushing and the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. God is breaking new ground, and he wants to do great things. And he's doing great things in this church, and he's doing great things in our lives, and he's moving us forward. doesn't necessarily look how we thought it would look, but God has a plan, and God is bigger than all of the stuff that we're carrying. He's bigger than that.
Are you willing to make yourself a vessel, an offering? Then come. My challenge to you is this, and I'm going to lead it by example, because as much as I preached this and shared this with you this morning, I need rest in my life. I don't do it near enough. So if you need rest, if you need that, these altars are open. Come and lay it down to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and you don't have a walk with him and you haven't been walking with him and you want to walk with him, you want to know more about it, you come and lay it at the cross, at the foot of the cross. You can write it down, put it in the box. You can write it down, lay it down here. You can come up here and pray. Leave it at this altar this morning. But we all need rest, and we all need a Sabbath. And maybe you're sitting here going, I don't know how to do that, and I don't quite understand it. Well, I guess next week will be a part two, because that's what we're going to talk about. That's what I'm going to share with you. Some more examples of Jesus doing that and showing us how to do that. To sit in solitude. How many of you have ever sat in solitude in silence? For my ADD... It is bad for it. I can't. It takes a while. I'm thinking about pizza and food because I love food, Snickers and Coke and things I got to do and groceries that need put away and laundry that needs washed because I got a 14-year-old and his feet smell really bad and it smells up the laundry room. See, this is where my mind goes. See, you, you need to pray for my wife because she goes through a lot with me, man. That's where my mind goes. And then for like the first 20 minutes, and then I get past that, and then there I am. I stopped cleaning the house and recognized that Jesus is there and that I need to come and sit at the foot of the cross and focus on him. And focus on him. And listen. That's something that you need this morning. Don't leave without getting it. There can be five people up here. There can be 50. I don't care. You can't sit on the floor. That's okay. Grab the second or third row. First row. But don't walk out of here the same as when you walked in. There is a heaviness in this room, and I feel it, and I sense it. The Holy Spirit is working and striving and telling you, lay it down, let it go, let it go. It's not yours to carry. Let him break new ground, bring that dirt that is yours and lay it at the feet of Jesus. I come with nothing, but you're making something new and great out. Father God, thank you for this room. It's just a building, but it's truly holy ground. And I'm thankful that we can even be in this place and that we can have a connection with you, Jesus, that we can intercede in prayer and go to your Father with our hurts with our habits and with our hang-ups and that you're willing to take them and turn our bitterness into betterness, to turn our story into your glory. And so I pray that you do that. I pray that you do that for the mom that's in this room that's struggling and striving to live up to the expectations of the friends and peers around her. They're not even, they're just coworkers. They're not really even true friends. They're just people that she's looking up to and trying to live up to. And she needs to stop. The family that's running the rat race and striving and pushing, and I know scholarships are important and valuable and all of that, but the 
integrity that you want them to live out in their children's lives so that as they go off to college, that they are men and women of integrity is being missed and replaced with stuff, with activity. I pray for the one in here who is retired but still feels like they're living the rat race and having to push on and do more and do more to get to the next level. And I pray for everyone else that's in here. You hear and you know exactly what's on their hearts. Father, as we sing this morning, these altars are open. Pray that your Holy Spirit continue to come. Overwhelm us, fill us. Open our minds, soften our hearts, and take off the scales and allow us to see that we need to lay all of this at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, and just sit in your presence. Let's worship together. You can stand, you can sit, however it is you just did. Let's worship together. In the pressing, you were making wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You were breaking new ground. You were breaking new ground. So
crushing and the pressing. You do something new and afresh. And I pray for those that are here in this room that need the same thing, that you do the same thing in their hearts, that you do the same thing. It's not easy to come because people will look and people will think things and people will ask questions, but we're human. But Father, that's what I'm asking is that you do a new thing, that you do a fresh thing, that you restore the hurting, that you restore the broken. I pray for each and every leader in this room and the ones that aren't here this weekend. This is not how we wanted to start our year, but Father God, you are going to do some great things. I want you to open their minds, soften their hearts, and take off the scales. It is not going to be easy to move forward. You never said that it was. You never said that it was easy. That when we come to that, you said you're burden is light and your yoke is easy so we have to give that to you but too often as men we try to do things by systems and programs and processes but Jesus you were fought on this because you wiped all of that away you came with something simple and you said it's about a relationship so that's what I pray for is the relationships that we have conversations with people one at a time we step into your calling, that we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples to the third generation. Your spirit is working and moving, and I'm thankful for that. ones that are holding back and the ones that are wrestling journey with them wake them up at 3.30 in the morning so that they can give this over to you I sense it and I feel it still your spirit is moving but there's there's some, there's some, there's some spiritual pride in this room there's some not wanting to let go and there's some people who don't want other people to see them because of who they are and what they do and what they can do Father, you have to break it. You have to break the spiritual pride that's in this church or we're not going to move forward. So I pray that you break it. That you crush and you press and that you make a new wine that's beautiful, that tastes way better than anything that we could make. we go, I want to let the music just continue to play. I don't feel like God's done here yet. If you're done for the day and you're good, you just step out, please, quietly to the back. But I want to let the music bed play, and I just want to leave these altars open. If you have something you need to deal with and you need to lay at the foot of the cross, you don't walk out of here without doing that this morning. Amen. You are dismissed. You are dismissed.